I did not have any contact with my dad until I emailed him when I was 16. I definitely had a deep father wound. And I remember sitting on my friend's bed one day with my laptop, just thinking, why not? Why not just reach out to my dad? So I wrote the subject line of the email, URGENT, in capital letters, PLEASE READ. Then I wrote, HI, I'm your daughter. Hello everyone, welcome back to 828 with Kate. I'm your host, Kate Taylor, and this is the first episode I am recording since the podcast has been launched because I pre-recorded episodes one and two. So this is the first time I am sitting down to record that I have actually heard your feedback and I just have to thank you guys so much for the messages, the Instagram DMs. I have been so moved reading your messages and hearing how many of you connect to my story or relate to different parts of it. I'm going to try not to cry at this early on in the episode, but um, I really just have to thank you guys for taking the time to write to me. It, it means the world, and I just pray that this podcast continues to be a source of encouragement to you, and thank you so much for listening. This episode will be the last episode in this trilogy of my life story. So if you are sick and tired of hearing about my life, I understand next week we will be getting into more general topics. But it was important to me to start this podcast by putting my life out onto the table. One, so that you could see which parts of my story you connect to. And two, because this podcast is inspired by Romans 8.28, where God promises to work all things together for good in our lives, I wanted to share how he's done that in my life. One of the biggest testaments to that verse, and the best example I can give, is the story of my dad and I. For those of you who are listening from New Zealand, you may know that there used to be a TV show here called Lost and Found with a guy named David Lomas, where basically he would try to reconnect people to their birth parents or he would find missing family members and reunite them. Now, my dad and I were never on that show, but every time it would come on, I used to think, we we could really be on this TV show because we have a story like this. We met for the first time when I was 22 years old. And although that's a very unique situation, I think there are a lot of emotions surrounding it that are universal, that everyone can relate to. So today I want to talk about the choice of forgiveness about reconciliation, God's ability to restore things, and this truth that God really can bring good out of bad. He can bring beauty out of ashes. I'll just give a bit of backstory in case you haven't heard episode one. My parents separated before I was born. Their relationship did not work out. I did not have any contact with my dad 
until I emailed him when I was 16. I did mention in episode one that I did that. I didn't tell you guys what happened afterwards. I know I left you on a bit of a cliffhanger, but I'm going to tell you in this episode what happened. Um, But I definitely had a deep father wound. When I was growing up, my birthday and Father's Day were the worst days of the year. Because on those days, it was painfully obvious that my dad wasn't there. On Father's Day, I would not go onto social media. I didn't want to see my newsfeed filled with posts about people's dads. And on my birthday, every single year, I used to secretly wait, thinking maybe this will be the year that I hear from my dad. Maybe there'll be a card in the post. Maybe he sent me something. And every year, I didn't hear from him. Um... It didn't matter how much my mom spoiled me, and she did, even when she couldn't afford to. Or no matter what party I was having with my friends, it was always in the back of my mind that my dad wasn't there. I would say the rest of the year, I tried not to dwell on the fact that he was gone. In some ways, that was easy, because I didn't know what I was missing. I had never experienced having a dad. But I was also acutely aware that other people had something that I didn't. I longed to know what it would be like to have a dad, and that desire never left me. I have this one really vivid memory from when I was 15. I had just started working my first job as a waitress, and I was serving a young daughter and her dad. They were sat at the corner table of the restaurant. I was stood behind the bar where I could see them. And they were just sharing a dessert and talking and laughing. But I remember standing there and choking back tears. Because I thought, I don't even know what it would be like to experience that. But I wish I did. And I almost wanted to run over to the little girl and say to her, You are so lucky. Please don't take this for granted. And I wanted to tell the dad the same thing, but it was in moments like that that the wound just felt fresh all over again. When I would be going about my life and then all of a sudden there was this glaring reminder that my dad was gone. I would see dads in movies or at my friends' houses, and I would think about my dad, and I would wonder why he didn't want to be part of my life. As a kid, I made sense of that by believing that there must be something wrong with me. I felt like I was a mistake. I felt unwanted. Even though I knew that my mom wanted me, it didn't fill that hole in my heart. I also struggled with my identity because there were similarities I could see between my mom and I, but there were also many ways that I was very different to her. I really felt like I only knew half of myself. There were many parts to my personality that I didn't understand where they came from. My mom would say things to me growing up like, you're so like your dad, 
or that reminds me of your dad. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes maybe not so good. But it used to frustrate me a bit when she would say those things because she knew what she meant by saying I was so like my dad, but I didn't because what did that mean? What is my dad like? So when I was 16, I decided I wanted answers and I wanted them for myself. I didn't want to hear about my dad through my mom or through anybody else. I wanted to hear from him. It was an interesting time though for me to reach out because I would say 16 was probably the worst year of my life. Which strangely is also what kind of prompted this decision to reach out. I was living with my friend because I was arguing so much with my mum. I was struggling with an eating disorder. Basically just not in a good place mentally. And at this point of my life, I just felt like I have nothing to lose here. And I remember sitting on my friend's bed one day with my laptop, just thinking, why not? Why not just reach out to my dad? I had his email address, but I had never contacted him because I had held the belief that if my dad wanted something to do with me, he should be the one to reach out. But at this point, I was just tired of waiting. I wanted some answers. It felt like now or never. There was also some naive 16-year-old thinking there, where I did think there was a tiny, tiny chance that he might reply, and maybe he would want to help me, and maybe he would swoop in and save me from all these things in my life. I didn't think that was the most probable, but it was possible. So I wrote the subject line of the email, URGENT in capital letters, please read. Then I wrote, hi, I'm your daughter, followed by a lengthy email about my life and everything that had gone wrong and how much I was struggling. I cannot imagine what that must have been like to receive on my dad's end. It was probably very jarring. So a week went by and I heard nothing. And I started to think, okay, he's not going to reply. He really doesn't want anything to do with me. But after 10 days, he replied. Apparently, he had always said that if I ever reached out to him, he would not reject me. I obviously did not know this, because if I had, I think I would have reached out a lot sooner. But to his credit, he has stayed true to his word. Since that day, my dad and I have been in contact or in communication ever since. In the beginning, we did have very sporadic emails. There was so much to catch up on. We would write emails that were the length of novels, and it would take us both months to reply. I would say if I get anything from my dad, we are not good at keeping in touch. Um, also, our communication was limited to email because my dad was still in England and I had moved to New Zealand with my mum. 
So we couldn't just meet up in person. There were 11,000 miles between us. I also chose to never call or FaceTime him. People find that really strange when I tell them that, but I had waited my whole life to see my dad, and I didn't want the first time to be hearing his voice over the phone or seeing his face on a screen. I wanted it to be the real thing in person. My dad was actually on the same page about that. He didn't want to call or FaceTime either, but I think he thought that it was too important to do virtually. He didn't want anything to go wrong. Maybe someday we'll get him on the podcast and we'll be able to get his perspective of what it was all like on his end. He and my stepmom did offer to fly me to England to meet them. However, I was not ready. I really had to figure out my mental health. I had to recover from my eating disorder. There were other logistics involved, but it took six years from when I first reached out until I was ready to go over there and everything aligned for me to go back to England. Now looking back, I believe 100% that was God's timing. It all happened exactly when it was meant to. If I had gone to meet my dad immediately as a teenager, I think it could have gone badly. Because at that time, I was still wrestling with unforgiveness. I still had anger and resentment in my heart towards him. So I thank God that in between emailing him for the first time at 16 and meeting for the first time at 22, I became a Christian. During those six years, God started shifting something in my heart. My father wound began healing long before I even met my biological earthly dad, because I met my heavenly dad first. It feels to me now like God purposely kept that door closed between my dad and I for a period of time before we met in person, because he was revealing himself to me as a father. And he did so in a number of ways. Things really started popping up seemingly out of nowhere. I remember one day I was on Tumblr. I don't know if Tumblr is still around, but it was a blogging website. And a photo of a Starbucks cup came up with a quote from Rick Warren printed on it. The quote said, You are not an accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He wanted you alive and created you for a purpose. Focusing on yourself will never reveal your purpose. You are made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. Only in God do we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. That was huge for me, because I believed I was an accident. I was told by my mom that I was an accident baby, although she was happy to have me, I knew that I wasn't planned. And yet I was reading this quote that said, you are not an accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. Um, on another day, 
I was in a second-hand shop. There was a lady behind the counter who did not know me, didn't know anything about me. I wasn't even having a conversation with her. I was just purchasing a couple of jumpers. But she looked at me and she said, I have something for you. She gave me a pamphlet called Father's Love Letter. You can look it up online, but it echoed a similar sentiment to the Starbucks cup. On the outside of this letter, it said, An intimate message from God to you. He is the father you have been looking for all your life. He longs for you to come to him. This is his love letter to you. Then it's paraphrased Bible verses put together like a letter, saying things like, You are not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I knew you even before I planned creation. Every hair on your head is numbered. I read that letter in tears in my car as this revelation that God was my real father really began to sink in for me. Another moment when I felt God revealing this to me was at a conference I went to in Wellington. Jensen Franklin was there. He was preaching a message about being adopted into God's family. In that message, he quoted a scripture that said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human passion, but born of God. That sermon had a bigger impact on me than any message I've ever heard in my life. I left the conference room bawling my eyes out for probably 30 minutes after hearing the message. I couldn't stop crying. I was overwhelmed by this realization that I was not a mistake and I was not unwanted. I had been adopted into God's family. He was my dad and he had a plan for my life. He had always had a plan for my life. And I also clearly remember that no one else around me was crying. So I don't know if Jensen Franklin preached that message just for me, but at the time it felt like it. So that was the healing journey that I was on for six years up until 2018. The year I turned 22, everything finally aligned for me to go back to the UK and I felt as ready as I could ever be to go and meet my dad and my family. I was also going to be meeting my stepmom, three siblings and grandparents, all of which I had never met before. And I'd also decided that if I was going to travel 25 hours across the world, I wanted to make sure I had a substantial amount of time to really get to know everyone. So I talked to my dad and we decided that I was going to go and stay with them for six months. People always ask why six months and honestly there is no reason other than it just felt right. I was leaving in July and I just thought I'm going to go for the rest of the year. I'm going to dedicate the rest of this year 
to getting to know my family. It was undoubtedly the biggest, scariest decision of my life though. The hardest part being that in the lead up to the trip, there was no one I could turn to. No one had had this same experience. There was no friend that I could ask what it was like the first time they met their dad as an adult. I had no reference point. And I'm a type A planner. I need to be prepared for anything and everything. But how do you prepare for something like that when you really don't know what you're preparing for? What is it like the first time you meet your dad? No one knew that, and neither did I. But despite the immense fear, I felt confident about my decision, and I felt confident about the timeline. Sometimes God is going to tell you to do something that absolutely scares the socks off of you. You are going to feel afraid, and you are going to feel God's peace assuring you that you are on the right path. Both can coexist. I was terrified to meet my family for the first time, and it felt like something I was being called to do. I was having to quit my job to fly across the world. I had to leave behind my boyfriend, uproot my comfortable life, push myself way out of my comfort zone. I was dealing with the opinions of others. Some people didn't think I should even go to England or give my dad a second chance. I didn't even know if I was going to get along with him or anyone else. But deep down in the core of my being, I knew and I had peace that no matter what happened, I was meant to do this. So I flew to England. It was my first time going home in 11 years since we had moved to New Zealand. And I never could have imagined that the first time I would go back would be to meet my dad for the first time. When I landed there, I didn't immediately go to my dad's house. I'm not quite that crazy. I stayed elsewhere to start with and I had arranged to meet him at a restaurant that I had already been to earlier that week because I wanted to meet him in a kind of familiar environment. I didn't just want to go meet him at his house and I also didn't want to go by myself. So I asked my best friend from school in England, his name is Ant, if he would come with me. Now, this may be TMI, but the morning I was due to meet my dad, I got my period. I now know I have endometriosis, so I was in excruciating pain. I was sat on the floor trying to get ready. I had a hot water bottle on my tummy. I really just wanted to cancel, but my dad lived about an hour away and he was already driving on the way to the restaurant. So I had to just down painkillers and try my best to get through it. Aunt came to pick me up. I think we walked from where I was staying to the restaurant and on the way we stopped at a pub 
so that we could talk about the game plan. I remember sitting at the bar with Ant and saying to him, you're going to have to do all the talking if I freeze up. Please, please, will you help me? And um, I had a glass of wine to calm my nerves, which I do not recommend, by the way. Relying on alcohol to ease anxiety is something I try really hard to avoid, but on this day, I made an exception because I was more nervous than I had ever been in my entire life. I can't even explain to you the level of nerves that I felt. I have never felt anything like it. But I didn't think about the fact that I had taken my pain relief, which you're not meant to drink alcohol with. So between the alcohol and the pain relief, I was a little tipsy. But we started walking to go meet my dad at the restaurant. And honestly, the wine didn't even take the edge off. I felt sick to my stomach with nerves. I truly thought that I might throw up. As we approached the restaurant, there was a courtyard outside with picnic benches. And I remember Ant looking around saying, it doesn't look like he's here yet. But as he said that, I spotted a man sitting by himself at one of the tables. He was facing us. And the second I saw his face, I said to Ant, Oh my gosh, no, that's him. That's my dad. And my dad saw us too. He stood up. We walked towards each other and we hugged. This moment was such a blur, but... I, I think he started crying a little bit. I remember feeling his shoulders kind of shaking. The weirdest thing for me in that moment was that I felt nothing. Um, it was the weirdest feeling. I had tried to envision this moment so many times over the years, and I didn't know how I would react, but I always thought I would cry or I would be emotional. I had never considered that I might feel nothing at all. It felt like I was hugging a random person at the restaurant. This man was my dad, but he also wasn't my dad because he was a stranger. He also seemed different than what I expected, but not in a bad way. It's really hard to explain because I don't even know what I was expecting him to be, but he just seemed different. Anyway, we sat down in this courtyard and we were there three and a half hours. Ant definitely came through for me. I feel like I owe him for the rest of my life for that day. He definitely did most of the talking. I was zoning out throughout the conversation from the shock of this situation actually happening whilst also being in a lot of pain and being tipsy. I do remember the conversation was very surface level, break the ice kind of conversation, which I am not very good at. 
I much prefer having a deep conversation, but we did not have the chance to have that kind of discussion on that day. Um, it was all very lighthearted and it was going well, but I remember afterwards when we were leaving feeling completely emotionally exhausted. Probably it was from all the adrenaline because my dad said he felt the same, but I also felt immense relief that it was over, um, not in a bad way, but just that it had happened. We had met, it had gone well. Um, I had established that my dad seemed like a really nice, friendly guy, and I was just relieved that that part was done. After that, we met up with him one more time for a lunch where I also met my other brother on my dad's side. That went really well. And then after those two meetings, it was time for me to go and live with my dad. I was very nervous again when he came to pick me up because it was the first time we were going to be alone. We had at least an hour drive back to his house and was not going to be there this time to carry the conversation, so we had to talk. Funnily enough, when we got back to my dad's house, everyone was out that day. My stepmom and my brother were both out, which is very rare that they would be gone at the same time. So my dad said it seemed like a sign that we were meant to sit down and talk about everything. My dad took me to go sit down in front of the fire with his dogs, and we talked. I got to hear his side of the story for the first time from him. I heard the reasons why he had made the decision to not be a part of my life, and I had to be honest too about how it had affected me. He asked me if I had been angry with him because he said he had always imagined that one day a teenager would show up on his doorstep and call him every name under the sun. And I could tell that he was surprised that that wasn't the case. I did say at one point, yes. I had been mad. I had been very upset. And maybe if we had met when I was a teenager, we would be having a very different conversation. But I was also able to tell him that Jesus was the reason I was able to forgive him. I had experienced the forgiveness that Jesus had for me. And so I was able to extend that same forgiveness to my dad. Ephesians 3.42 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I explained to my dad my journey with God, and he just kind of nodded through it. My dad is not a Christian yet. Um... He's probably going to watch this at some point and shake his head when he gets to this part. But I felt so strongly in that moment that 
this was why God had me come here. There was a bigger reason than just making up for lost time. This was about showing my dad God's love and his forgiveness. Because logically, I should be angry, right? But I'm not. And my dad is a very logical person, so I could see he was confused by that. How do you explain something supernatural? How do you explain that God took my pain and gave me love and forgiveness? Now, that's not to say there weren't challenges ahead. Over the next six months of living with him, I had some really hard days. It was surreal to be waking up in this house, eating meals with my family that I have only just met. I remember in the beginning, I would only sit in one chair during the day in one corner of the house where I felt like I was the most out of the way of everyone. And it was definitely not my family making me feel that way. They were extremely welcoming. It was just, I was trying to settle into this house that technically should have been my home too, but it wasn't. There was no trace of me anywhere in this house like there would be at my mom's house. There was no pictures, no belongings, but there were traces of my siblings. This will probably sound silly, but there was one day when I was using the downstairs bathroom and I saw there were pictures on the windowsill of my dad and my siblings when they were little. On this particular day, it brought up a huge wave of grief. It was strange because I had been getting along well with everyone, I felt like I was in a good place, but something about that on that day just triggered me. And I, th I think it was because I knew that no matter how much I bond with my dad now, or how close we get, I will never ever have a picture like that with my dad. And on that day, it just made me feel really, really sad. And I stopped using that bathroom for a while, so I wouldn't have to see the photos. There were a lot of tough things in the beginning. I didn't feel comfortable calling him dad at first. I would call him by his first name. I would be sat at dinners. They would be talking about family holidays they had been on, and I wasn't part of any of those memories. I didn't know anyone that they were referring to, and a lot of people in their life didn't even know that I existed. I remember on one occasion I went to a party with my family. My dad introduced me to someone there, one of his friends, and the guy burst out laughing. He genuinely thought that my dad was joking, that I was his daughter. Um, which is kind of funny now, but it wasn't really funny for me at the time. People would also refer to their three kids, not including me, and it was not malicious. I want to be really clear about that. It was just 
what they were used to saying and doing. They had this established family unit for so many years that they were trying their best to fit me into and I was trying my best to fit into. It was challenging on everyone in different ways. In any family, when you add another child to the mix, it changes the dynamic a lot. But when that child is entering the scene at 22 years old, it's a whole other ball game. I believe my family did their very, very best to make me feel as included as they possibly could. And I'm so grateful because I know that was hard on everyone. It was hard on my stepmom to let me come and live with them for six months when she didn't even know me. Um, I'm sure for my siblings to go from having two siblings to three overnight. For my dad, he was trying to make up for lost time with me while also trying to make sure everyone else was still happy and cared for. It was just a lot on, on all of us. And so... Um, I, I hope my family know, if any of them watch this, how truly grateful I am for the sacrifices they made for me and the way that they really opened their arms and opened their home to me. I would say for the bad days I had, there were a lot more good days and they increased as time went on and we all started to bond more. One of my favorite things was when I started to notice all of our similarities. For example, I have always been a night owl. It does not matter how hard I try to become a morning person, it's just not happening. I come alive at night. I am more creative at night. I am more productive. I can focus more. I just love being up in the nighttime. My mom is the complete opposite. She can be in bed at 8.30, up by 5.30, no problem. But the first week staying with my dad, I remember it was about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I am used to being the only person awake at this hour. But I remember looking at the clock and realizing my brother was still up playing a game on his computer. My dad is pottering around in the kitchen, making himself a snack and doing some work at the kitchen table. And I had this moment where it just dawned on me and I thought, is this where this comes from? Then my granddad came to stay with us and he was also up until well after midnight and he's in his 90s. I talked to my stepmom and she said, it's a family trait on your dad's side. It's just in your genes. There is this philosophical debate in the field of psychology about whether nature or nurture plays a bigger role in your personality and development. Nature is your genetics and nurture is your relationships and the way that you're raised. There were a lot of things that became resolved for me once I met my dad. That half of myself that I felt like I didn't know or understand, I was starting to connect those dots. I have always been very business-minded. That is one thing that my mom used to say reminded her of my dad. 
my dad is an entrepreneur and a business owner. So when I was in England, I would go with him to work just so I could sit in on meetings because I wanted to learn. There were smaller things too, like we would realize we like the exact same sandwich for our lunch or small and silly things, but we spent six months together every day discovering these similarities and really becoming very good friends. Although it was just several months, we both felt like we had known each other our whole lives. There are many scriptures in the Bible that talk about God's restoration, his ability to restore that which has been lost. One of my favorite verses like that says, Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Oftentimes, God doesn't just give us back what we've lost. He gives us back more. In the story of Job in the Bible, Job lost everything. His family, his fortune, and then his friends blamed all of that on him when he was not to blame. But it says, after Job had prayed for his friends, which was the spirit of forgiveness, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. God really did that for my dad and I. We went through so much together in half a year. One of my friends said, it seems like you lived a hundred lives while you were in England. It was almost as if God put us in situations that allowed us to bond in a way that we would have done over the years, but we did it all within six months. One example is that I always wished my dad had been there the first time I got my heart broken. But while I was living with my dad, I happened to go through a very messy breakup. I found out that my boyfriend back home in New Zealand had been cheating on me. And as horrific as that was to go through at the time, I also got to experience sitting on the living room floor with my dad, eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream, drinking red wine together, talking about life and relationships until the early hours of the morning. It reminded me of the movies I had seen where the dad picks up the pieces for the daughter, but I was experiencing it in real life. Also, while I was there, I had told my dad and stepmom about my severe period pain. They organized for me to see a specialist. I ended up needing a surgery, which led to me being diagnosed with endometriosis. I had been struggling with the symptoms of that for 10 plus years. So this very long struggle that I had had my dad ended up being there for the major moment when I had the surgery and received my diagnosis. I also got to experience how my dad took care of me after that, when I couldn't bend down to put my own socks on, and how he would bring me cups of tea in bed while I recovered. Actually, one of my favorite moments from the whole trip was the night after my surgery. My 
surgeon came to sit on the end of my bed to tell me about my diagnosis, and my dad and I told him our story. He was in shock that we had only just met months prior. He said there was a warmth as soon as he walked into the room, and he could not believe the bond that we shared, having known each other such a short amount of time. After he left, the nurse came in. We ended up telling her the story, and she was also blown away. She said she was going to go home and tell her parents about it, because she was just so moved by our story. My dad was tearing up, I was tearing up. It was a really special moment, because the hardest thing for me, as I said earlier, had been feeling like there was no one I could talk to about this. No one could relate to this situation. But I was realizing that the only person who really, truly gets it is my dad. This situation that had separated the two of us for 22 years, ironically, was the experience that also joined us together. We had both carried around our baggage because of this, whether bags of sadness or abandonment or guilt. A piece had been missing from both of our lives, and everyone else could try their best to understand it, but they never truly would. But we got it in a way that has bonded and connected us forever. That, to me, is Romans 8.28 in action. That is God working all things together for good. Our bond is so strong now because of what we went through. Truly, I feel like I have a closer relationship with my dad than some of my friends do who grew up with their parents. That is a miracle to me. That is God restoring double to us. None of this would have been possible, though, without the choice of forgiveness. I think I will do a whole episode just on forgiveness, because without that, I wouldn't have received any of these blessings. Just like I wonder in the story of Job, if he had not had that forgiveness towards his friends who had wronged him, I wonder if God would have still restored double to him. God wouldn't have been able to move in my situation if I hadn't decided that the future was more important than the past. However, I think it's important to say forgiveness doesn't always equal reconciliation. Sometimes reconciling is not the healthiest option. Sometimes it's not even an option at all. So I want to speak to those of you who maybe you don't have that opportunity with your dad and just remind you that no matter what the situation is with your earthly father, you have a heavenly father who loves you so, so much. In many ways now, I am grateful for my father wound because that's what propelled me into my relationship with God. I think my connection with God the Father is so much deeper because of my lack of an earthly father growing up. I know you might think, oh well that's easy for you to say Kate, because you have a relationship with your dad now. 
I acknowledge that and I wish more than anything that everyone's story could turn out like mine. But I also want it to be known that as wonderful as it is, it's not perfect. My dad is still a human being. My dad still disappoints me at times. Everyone in your life will because we are human. I believe that's why God introduced himself to me as a father first. So I would always look to him to fulfill me in a way that only he can. Then once I met my biological dad, I could have love and compassion for him and not have an unhealthy expectation of him. I could have a human expectation of him. Knowing that even if he had been the best father in the entire world, he could never be my heavenly dad. That's true for all of us. And I know that there will be someone listening today and you don't have a relationship with your dad still. You are navigating the complex emotions and feelings that are involved with a father wound. I want you to know that I see you. Your pain is so valid. Your longing to have a dad is so innately human. It's the way that God designed you. But even in the pain, there is hope. There is a father who bottles every single one of your tears and stores them. He says, my thoughts toward you are countless as sand on the seashore. You are the apple of his eye. And I pray today that God would just give you a revelation of his love for you and his father heart for you. You are so incredibly loved. I hope you believe it. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you want to connect with me, you can send me a DM on the 828women Instagram page. I reply to every DM on there, so I look forward to connecting with you, and I will see you again in the next episode.